And then Ronaldo! Oh! To the Footy Fix with your host, Ben Batella. Welcome back to the Footy Fix podcast. I'm your host, Ben Batella. And on today's episode, we have Mark, we have Baz, and we have Manchester City versus Chelsea in the UEFA Champions League final. It's been a huge week. Chelsea beating Real 3 1 in aggregate, and Man City beating PSG 4 1 in aggregate. And they'll meet up on the final, I believe, on May the 25th. Before I get into that, I have some questions for you lads. Mark, you ready? Oh, always ready, brother. Love the backwards hat going over there, eh? Just had to change it up. First question, <laughs> Mourinho to Roma. Good move or bad move? You know what? It's a good move for Roma. I'm not going to lie. Mourinho, you can say whatever you want about Mourinho. He's past it. He's this. He's that. He's he's everything that, that's really going on. But you, you can't deny that he's a winner. And in Serie A, he had some of his best years. He's won the Champions League with Inter Milan. He uh, won also Serie A with, with Inter Milan as well. And he's a proven record. Like, even Tottenham, he got to the final. You know what I mean? Even with Tottenham. He didn't he didn't get to manage it, but he at least got to a final. And I'm pretty sure Roma hasn't won a trophy in, I don't know, how many years it's as been well. been a long They're time. Pretty, pretty much the Italian Tottenham. So might as well bring in Mourinho there and just, you know, switch a little country there. I like the move. Bring Serie A some hype around it too. Always good. Yeah, I like that. And, and this is like a new project for him because he's used to going to more established teams, even Tottenham with the likes of Harry Kane, Son, and a pretty good squad around them. Roma's like, they don't really have any stars. Roma's the second part, though. Yeah, they don't have any stars. Like, they have, like, they have, they have Zaniolo, and they have like Dzeko, but no like world-class talents. And hopefully he can take Zaniolo well, and turn I, him I was into telling some big guy. Ben, ben, I was saying, I was saying to Aceli, though, my friend, he was uh, – we're big soccer guys, and we said he's definitely going to bring some of his uh, prem rejects. You can definitely expect Eric yeah. Dye. <laughs> well, you you can expect you can you can expect Mkhitaryan to say see you later. He's gone. Uh, Baz, you're up next. You ready? Sure. I'm kidding. Always ready. You better you better be ready, man. Liverpool play five games in 16 days, starting on May the 8th. They face Southampton, Man U, West Brom, Burnley, and Crystal Palace in that order. What will their record be in that five game stretch? I'm saying they're going three wins, one draw, one loss. And I'm only going to say that my loss is against Man U. I think Man U's okay. going to beat them personally. Okay. Um, Man U's been playing really well. I'm gonna, that's going to be exciting to see them in the Europa League finals as well. Um, speaking of Roma, they just got dismantled. Back. But, uh, yeah, I think repeat those teams again back to me. It was Southampton, Man U, West Bromwich, mm-hmm. Albion, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. So see, I at towards the end of that, I can see like a Burnley or a Crystal Palace maybe eking out a draw against them. Mm-hmm. But I think they take their first games, they lose just because it's hard to play that many games in that few days and still manage to be on the top of your game at all moments. Yeah, uh, the, the the main issue that I was focusing on was they've also they've been really bad at home, but more so that they're playing five games in sixteen days. Like mm-hmm. May the eighth, they and have that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna the get last tired. two games. They're not gonna be able to. Yeah, they're not gonna be able to still be playing with the exact same precision and the same focus that they were at the beginning of the the sixteen days. Towards yeah. the end of it, their form is gonna drop. Yeah. So that's why I can see them like drawing against one of the teams at the end there, either Crystal or Burnley. They, they need they need to win to get into the top four. I'm pretty sure they need to win out or at least win four. And a lot of things need to happen, but they're not too far off. But the thing mm-hmm. that I was focusing on is, so they play Southampton on May the eighth, 
and then it's Man U, but then three days later it's West Brom, and then another three days later it's it's uh, Burnley, and then like mm-hmm. four or whatever. It's it's all very compact after that Man U game, and I feel after they play Man U, they're gonna be out of energy. Which is gonna be a tough game. Out. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be a really tough game. They have to win it. Um, but aside from domestic mm-hmm. league play, we had two very very big games in the Champions League this past week. We have our finals are set, as I stated before. It's going to be Manchester City versus Chelsea. But let's go back. And let's talk about that Manchester City versus PSG matchup. It ended 2-0 for Man City. They won 4-1 on aggregate. And it was a fantastic draw, I thought. I thought there was some excellent football play. But we saw this thing where PSG really only played one good half out of four halves of football. So, Mark... What did you think about PSG's performance? Well, in the tie as a whole, you got to look at it and you got to look at it as a disappointment. Going in after the first 45 minutes of that first leg, I know, Ben, you were thinking it. Everybody was thinking this is PSG's year. Yeah. Even I thought it was PSG's year. But after you saw that, you just saw Man City slowly and Pep take his time. As you said in the past, he didn't take his time. This time, he took his time. He set it up and he set Man City up so they could never concede the goals that they needed to lose the game anyway. You know what I mean? He set it up in a way where Pep, and that's where I think Pep works best, when he's not the pressure. You know, Barcelona, sure, he had pressure, but he also had the best player, one of the best players on the planet with them in Lionel Messi. Now you have a PSG team injured. Mbappe doesn't have anything with them. And PSG's performance showed. It showed that they need Mbappe to win and need him at 100%. No Neymar at 50%. Neymar's at, uh, and Mbappe's at 75 You know, they all, both have to be 100% for that team to work. And you could see slowly, and then you saw my boy Icardi, bro. Like, Inter just won the Inter just Ooh. won the Serie A, and you th- maybe he was a little hungover in the game. I don't know, man. It was bad. Maybe uh, Conte was sending him shots in the back room. It was bad. <laughs> it like, was really bad. It, it was really bad. It was a bad performance. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no confidence from that one. It was really And, yeah, it was, uh, it was really bad. It was really bad. <laughs> yeah. PSG, at the end of the day, they, they're they going to win maybe League One. Even Leo may win. But PSG, they're about next year. Whoever they get next year, you know PSG is going to make that one big signing in the summer. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter who it is. Could be big, like a big, big name, Messi maybe. Or it could be maybe an Aguero. Could be some somebody else that they pl- pluck from the EPL Serie A and make that team a real force in the UCL. Because I think they're just one player away. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that player is an attacker. I think it's actually a midfielder. And I and it's hard listen, it's hard enough to play City because they're stacked all over the pitch. And I and on a side note, I thought Pep Guardiola did a fantastic job. He completely outmanaged Pochettino. And in especially that second leg, the the you have we, we don't really consider how hard it is to, to choose an, a starting 11 when you have, like, imagine you're managing City. Like, who's your starting 11? I, I can't even decide it. I, I'm panicking because do I start Mares, Bernardo? There's so many options for every single position. But to put in Fernandinho instead of Rodri, uh, Rodri was fantastic decision. 36 years old, he was all over the pitch making tackles, just controlling the defensive half of that midfield for City. I don't know how he didn't get a, a yellow card personally, but his leadership and... As much as I hated it, you know, what a smart play to follow Di Maria off the field. What a great idea because PSG were panicking. They were acting like a bunch of eight-year-olds. And to follow him off the field, to instigate it with or to kind of goad him on, and then to get him to kick you and get him sent off, there's that's the tie wrapped up. But 
talking about PSG, like I said before, or I was saying before, I think investing in a attacking midfielder is what they need because they're playing Verratti at that position right now, and that's not what he is. And behind him, you have Ander Herrera. Don't even get me started on him. And then Paredes, who's yeah. and I just guess as bad, if not a little bit. You also have what's better. left of uh, Julian Draxler. Draxler, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> mind Draxler, but you're putting him again. Pochettino is putting these guys in the wrong position. Like Verratti, I love Verratti. He's a class player. He's not an attacking midfielder. He's not that. And you, they have the thing is PSG is like they have a very good back four. Kimpembe and Marquinhos are great. Florenzi's decent and then you get the likes of Bakker or Diallo Kaylor Navis I trust and then as soon as it gets to that midfielder like they have really good midfielders or good midfielders but they're all like the same type of midfielder and then you look at teams like City who have Fernandinho Kevin De Bruyne and Gundogan who are all different in their own way but all elite and then obviously the front three PSG are fine or the front five if you want to call it but I just thought that you know the mentality wasn't there the maturity wasn't there um, they were a better team last year under Tuchel, clearly, and now they're going to go no Champions League and probably no Liga. We don't know about that. Baz, what do you think? Well, I just want to really quickly comment on what Mark said earlier about Pat playing a great, uh, like a slower game, uh, and I really do think that he absolutely excelled in that, and the second goal is a perfect highlight of that. That counterattack for that second goal was absolutely beautiful. Had everything in it. Fought and starts by, uh, you know, busting up the side, drops it back to the it gives him a beautiful one-two and then right across to Mares, who's coming down that wing, tracking it perfectly. And Riyad Mahrez, what a game he had. The killer instinct that he had on both those goals. Right place, right time. Beautiful finishing. That first one maybe a little bit lucky with nutmegging two people, but still an absolutely beautiful finish. And, you know, I thought that Man City just absolutely dominated the second game. Um, Ederson, we didn't really get to see a lot from him, you know. But, you know, no shots on net from PSG. So if you're not even testing a goal yet, how are you supposed to score goals? You can't even hit the net. You know, 14 <laughs> yeah. shots. So it's not like it's not like a lack of shots. Like, Ander Herrera had chances just over the bar. Di Maria missed by inches there, almost caught Edison out. So it's not for a lack of chances. It's a lack of um, lack of finishing or lack of – my brain has died here, but lack of execution. That's, there we go. That's it, the word I wanted. It was Ruben Diaz the best, well. though. Mature. Yeah. And another thing I just wanted to highlight too, my absolute favorite play from this game was in the 60th minute when Ander Herrera's inside of the 18-yard box stepping into a volley and Ruben Diaz decides to block it with his forehead. Man. That does not tell you how committed to that game Diaz was. And even another play that I love to see, Neymar breaks in and beats Diaz. John Stones and Zinchenko block that shot together. They were both sliding for it. And that tracking. showed how committed they were to defense. Yeah. Like they were both tracking it and they both blocked it. They both blocked that shot together. Didn't even get through to the goalie. So you see players stepping up and making plays like that. Like at that moment, you knew that Man City, they were not going to concede. You see yeah. the, that first, the double block, and you see Ruben Diaz take a volley to the face from like 10 feet away. You know, no ball is getting past those center backs at that yeah. point. At PSG, you just have to know. It's going to be an absolute battle. Yeah. And so that's really what I saw. I saw a great game from Man City. When I, when I saw that play, Baz, where the, uh, Stones and Zincheco were tracking Di Maria, when you first see it live, mm -hmm. you're like, hey, Di Maria, shoot the ball. You have space right when he gets it. But then you look at it again, and he didn't. Diaz tracked him mm -hmm. a little bit, committed, didn't and, get yeah, him. And he, he pushed and they him outside. Followed, and then, they followed him until yeah. he got absolutely nothing. So I think you're completely right when you say that those guys were committed. And not to mention, mm -hmm. Ruben Diaz played like prime Maldini in that game. Man. <laughs> I haven't seen a dominating performance from a center back like that since, I, I hate to say it, but a couple of years ago, like Van Dyke would show up against whoever it may be. Man but City. Not a, Man City, he had a right? Game, he had yeah. a dominant, like, but I'm talking like, Ruben Diaz blocked 
what, five shots. He won four aerial battles. No shots on net. First leg, you shut down the hottest player in the world right now, and Mbappe, to no shots. No shots on net. And then the second leg, you limit the whole team to no shots on net. So I thought it was a fantastic performance from Diaz. And the credit doesn't fall all on him, of course, right? It's Pep putting these guys in the right position. It's also the fact that they have Stones, who's having a terrific season. Kyle Walker, Zinchenko, Cancelo. They have so much depth at the back line and everywhere, for that matter, on the field. But um, I thought it was just it was a fantastic display from City. And it's going to be interesting against Chelsea. It's going to be interesting because they're two very impenetrable sides that have a lot of skill up front, and it's going to be a cool game. But but I thought that when Mbappe was confirmed not being the lineup for the second leg, it was all said and done because Neymar's a world-class talent. We know who Neymar is, but he doesn't have the, the pace of Mbappe. And you could tell that just having Mbappe on the field in the first leg really... It had a little toll on City. They had to hang back a little more. They had to play a little bit deeper. And they had to have one more guy with those two center backs. Just be careful because with one touch, the guy's on a breakaway or he's on a counterattack or anything like that. But a fantastic performance from Manchester City. So let's move over to the other leg where there was another English team playing where Chelsea won 3-1 to in aggregate. They won 2-0 at Stanford Bridge, getting yet another clean sheet. I think that's 18 clean sheets under Tuchel. Uh, so we'll go Baz. What do you think about this game? Uh, I thought it was a great game from Chelsea. Uh, first thing I want to say is that Real Madrid, I thought that they needed to generate a few more quality chances. So not to say they didn't have chances because they did have shots on net. But I mean, like you look at the hazard shot, even though it's in the box, that that angle right there, you know, he can only go through the legs. Mendy closes his legs up easy. Um, the best chance went to Benzema with that curled shot. And he just kind of stole the ball from Cruz and then stepped outside of Thiago Silva. Great save from Mendy, though, who is a great keeper and can make those types of saves. Um, and even that header that bends in my head wasn't really too much of a um, a trying ball. I know Mendy did a beautiful dive to jump and could have caught that. But yeah, so it wasn't too many quality chances from Real. And then on the flip side, Chelsea, I think, did a good job of, you know, creating a lot of quality chances, even though they didn't finish necessarily all of them. You know, they won 2-0, but they even had like two other breakaways where Courtois was forced to make great saves, one on Havertz and one on Conte. Mm-hmm. Um, and then speaking of Conte, I thought he had a great game as well both of those goals were started by plays made by him yeah so that the first goal he was the one who grabbed the ball and um did a quick one-two with Werner then brings it up lays it off to Havertz and then obviously Timo that's going to be great for his confidence you know just in there get a goal maybe he can get his legs back after this I don't know um he's been shaky all year though so yeah most likely not um, and then even the second goal there, Conte makes an absolutely incredible challenge. It becomes a three on two, lays it off Pulisic, and then Pulisic just right into the box for Mount. So, you know, I think it was just overall, uh, a Chelsea played a lot tighter of a game, and they were a lot better with finishing off their chances and creating quality chances for themselves. Yeah, I, I found the same thing. And, you know, Tuchel said it when he, when he first arrived. He said, I want to be the team that nobody wants to play. And you, I couldn't describe Chelsea in a, in a more accurate way. I wouldn't want to play Chelsea. I don't think any uh, anybody else in the planet would want to play Chelsea. And it's not how they're gonna you're gonna go in and get beaten like seven nothing. No, it's because they make everything harder on you. They make every single aspect of the game harder. They make running with the ball harder. They make possession you keeping possession harder. They make trying to get shots harder. The whole aspect when you're playing Chelsea, the whole playing style is just it's hard. It's a hard game to win. It's hard to score, and. I am so impressed with N'Golo Conte. You're going up against a midfield of Casemiro, Modric, and Cruz, and 
Chelsea's midfield is is okay. Like Conte is obviously the star of it, but so essentially we're talking about one world class player versus three in one area of the pitch, and he dominated them both legs, both legs. One guy dominated three world class players in two games, four halves of football, and he was running around making tackles. He was passing the ball. He was making progressive runs. He was making progressive passes. He was contributing like full, however big the soccer pitch is. He was going back and forth and back and forth and just controlling everything went through him. Everything. And on another note, it's good to see Timo Werner get on the board after I don't even know how long. Um, but yeah, I, I, on Madrid's side, I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I'm disappointed that they were not as you know, urgent in their attacking play. I was disappointed in that they didn't really create anything meaningful. And like you said, Baz, that was a, it was a solid save by Mendy, but he exaggerated it a little bit. Uh, I looked at the photos again and it wasn't really going anywhere threat. It was a threatening header, but it was going over the net. You know what I mean? It was going to tip the bar and go up. So nothing really like threatening from Madrid. And, and that is the complete opposite of what I expected them to do. I thought they're going to go in this game and Zidane was going to pull out some black magic and, you know, channel his inner finals, you know, performances and record and just win the game. And then we'll see them in the final. But, you know, in these kind of games, it kind of shows how, wow, you know, maybe if Cristiano was still on that team, they would have won. They would have had more offensive chances. It's that kind of stuff. And I don't want to say that because obviously I'm biased. But at the same time, you can't help but think that when a team goes in there like that and creates no offense, it probably would be a benefit to them to have their main striker back their main goal getter one of the best players in the world back so mark what'd you think about it well first you gotta say baz coming in with the analysis he takes you through the game like he's freaking martin tyler over there he goes through he's like makes a finger tick save in the 46 i'm like whoa like <laughs> bringing me back but i didn't like, even watch the game i just got the whole I, recap from baz right there <laughs> but i gotta say one thing like i gotta love that he gives you commentary but i'm gonna give you just from the, the chelsea side of it Chelsea won this game. I'll tell you when Chelsea won this game. The minute that Timo Werner scored that goal. I'm going to tell you why. Timo Werner has had the worst season I've ever seen, man. It's been bad. Like, yeah. there's going to be compilations made of this season that are going to be we like... have been, Mark. There's, yeah, there was so, a mid-season like, one. There's like, a final season one. Like, there's so legendary. many. Like, did you remember Timo Werner's season in 2020-2021 when he completely <laughs> missed every single... Like, he missed open nets. He, he forgot how to dribble the ball. It was really bad. So you look at that, and then you see Chelsea. Chelsea, everywhere on the pitch, they have class. Goalie, you could say one way. Mendy, is he class yet? He's a good goalkeeper. He's a really good he's keeper. Getting he's really, getting like, there. Would you say he's world-class? I not. wouldn't but say not yet. But not world-class yet, there. but he will be there. But, yeah. but the yeah. UCL, maybe he can become world-class. But yeah, mm -hmm. center backs, Thiago Silva, Christensen really playing well. Jorginho Verratti. Then you have Mason Mount. You have Kai Havertz. And you have all these guys. And... They all know Timo Werner is a good player. Like, I'm not saying he's not a good player. But when a guy like that, such in a slump, such in a, a rut, terrible, he comes up with a goal, You show that shows that Chelsea's around him, you know? Yeah. Chelsea, when he scores a goal, you can see, you can see, Timo scoring, we're winning this game. We're not going to let the one game Timo scores yeah, to I let this go, go, go to, the, to, to the rut. You have a class coach in Tuchel, not given enough credit for what he did at PSG. No. 100%. Because people just think, oh, PSG, you go there and win. That's not how things work. Well, you have Mark. to have actual man management. And Tuchel's showing this, and he's showing that just how great of a manager he is. 
And if Chelsea want to go on and win things, this is the right path. They have the blueprint there. They have everything that you need in a team to win a Champions League. It's just a matter of them going out and doing it. That's my that's my take. Well, Mark, Tuchel's the first coach, I think, in history I read today that is will, will be going to back-to-back UCL finals with, with different teams. Mm-hmm. So clearly, whoever said, whoever doubted this move to Chelsea, whoever doubted Tuchel as a, as a manager was wrong because two completely different projects. On one side, you have a star-studded lineup in PSG with world-class talent. And on this side, you're coming in January midway through the season to a team that has been floundering domestically. They played very well in Europe under Lampard. I can give them that. They were they were 5-1 and one in the group stage, right? They had a really good draw um, going to the round of 16. But in the EPL, they were floundering. They were letting goals in. They would win one game 4-0, lose the next game 3 Like It was a mess. But uh, he came into that side and, and just completely turned them around. Completely. And just quietly, like qu- very quietly, I found. I found that... You know, all of a sudden he arrived there, and then the next thing we know, he's like, oh, oh, they're unbeaten under Tuchel. They're 8-2 and two and, and oh, under Tuchel. Wow, that went by quick. And then all of a sudden, there it's, you know, minute 85, and Mason Mount is banging in to make it 2-0 and sending them to the UCL final. Like, it's like, very quietly, they became one of the best teams in Europe. And the scary part is, is that there's still room for this team to grow. They signed Werner, Havertz, Ziyech, Thiago Silva, Mendy. This year, like this is the beginning of the project. If they would have exited in the quarterfinals, that would have been considered a successful season. If they finished top four, that's a, that's a successful season. But they're, for Christ's sake, they're in the UCL final right now. On the first year of a project that was implemented to be like a, a long-term thing with all these young guys. And I like what you said about Werner, Mark. I love it. Because clearly... Even though he's in a slump, he's still starting games, which means not only Tuchel believe in him, but the team believes in him. So mm-hmm. that's very important. And there's nothing worse than, nothing better to see, I should say, when, when you see a striker who's on a slump scoring a goal, right? There's nothing better than that. It's a team thing. I saw yeah. Immobile do it a couple, like a week ago, and it, the whole team was around him, and you could see what it meant to him. And now that Timo finally got his goal, you think he's going to score in the UCO final? I know he's going to start. I can, I can pretty much guarantee that. But is Timo going to play a real impact against City in the final? I don't think the goal matters for his impact, though, because, I mean, like another play that he had that was great was he took the ball up on a counterattack and held it the entire way and waited for Conte to come up with him and lays it off to Conte. It's a quality shot on net that uh, Courtois. Actually, no, Valverde came over and made the block, but Courtois would have made a great save on. So I do think he'll still have an impact regardless of whether or not he scores a goal. I just think him scoring a goal would kind of be something that, you know, a lot of football fans would be happy to see because it's a guy in a slump and he's scoring on this huge stage because, you know, that might bring him some confidence back and maybe bring back some of the Werner that we saw at Leipzig. Because, I mean, Werner at Leipzig was a killer. He was a finisher. Yeah, beast. But it just seems that it's like kind of Fernando Torres, like going from yeah, Liverpool to Chelsea, yeah, yeah. coming to Chelsea and just kind of forgetting how to strike the ball, kind of forgetting how to find the target. Well, so. it's it's funny because, you know, he came to Chelsea, had a terrible season, then he scored the winning goal in the UCL final. Mm-hmm. Or semi-final, my bad. So, yeah. th- so there it is, right? There's the correlation between the two. And maybe that is the, an indication that Chelsea will win. But since we're done with that, let's get into some predictions here. I know Mark's got a fire one, so I'm going to let him go first. Chelsea versus Manchester City, UEFA Champions League final. Who's winning it? Well, let me tell you this first. You got to look at Chelsea and Man City, and you see two teams fully together. Any, Both of these teams could win the Champions League. And you could have a good argument as to why both of them won. Because in the history of championships, no team has ever won something that wasn't together. 
Now, if I'm looking at from a pure game perspective, who's going to win this game? And my prediction, Manchester City. There's no other real prediction that you could give as to why Chelsea would win the game if both are playing 100%. And even if both are playing at 75%, Man City still wins the game because Man City has it in their heart and in their mind. Pep, you think, you think Chelsea has something to prove? Pep has waited for this moment his whole life since Barcelona left. <laughs> he doesn't know. Like, he's so ecstatic that he's going. The whole theory we said, getting out of the round of the, round of the quarterfinal, it, it, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> it, it went, it, he went buck, and now he's here, and you think he's going to let Chelsea win it? You know what I mean? He's going to look at this and say, Man City is that team. And if you're going to go out there and you're Man City and you're who you're want, you want, you're going to make a point. So if Pep is going to go there and prove a point to the world, I got Manchester City winning this final three goals to nil. Jesus. Okay, well, here's the problem that I have with your argument, Mark, is that you said 100%, 100% Man City wins. 75%, 75% Man City wins. They already lost to Chelsea 1-0 in the FA Cup semifinal. FA they, Cup. Already, they already did that. It doesn't matter what it is. They still lost. They still lost. But it was so, the FA Cup. And I, again, I'm I think City's gonna win too. I'm just I'm just saying something like we just talked about for the last 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, how hard it was to break down Chelsea and how hard it is to play against Chelsea. It's not gonna be an easy game, man. It could be. Man City at any day, if they're on, they're on. And they can beat any team in the world three, four, even five to nil. But I think that going into this game, it's important who Guardiola chooses. There are key decisions here. And one of them is is should, should Fernandinho start? That's one. Do you need that leadership in your squad? Number two, does Aguero start? His last game at Man City, he's been there for the you know the last decade pretty much. Should he start that game? Is, is do you really need after going the whole knockout stages pretty much without a number nine? Do you really need a number nine in your squad for the final? Because purely on an emotional basis, you start him. But on you know a realistic basis, I don't think you don't. There's two tough decisions already that are coming down to the wire. And he has a lot of depth in this team. And then you think about, okay, do I start Cancelo or Zinchenko? And by the time I'm talking about that, his head is just going all over the place. He's probably thinking about it right now. He's probably got a starting 11 already planned out. Let's not, let's, you know, not mess. Let's, let's, not, let's get it straight. He, he knows exactly what he's doing probably. But in terms of prediction, I want to say, I want to say three to one city. Three to one city. I want to go, but I want to go two. Talk about my Manchester I, City prediction, yeah, like it, okay. like this. I know, I know. I don't know why. I don't know why. Ninetieth minute goal. I, yeah, no. I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three to one, but it's two one for like. But it's a close game it, throughout. I'm gonna say it's three one, but it's it's two one for the entire game, and they score a counterattacking goal just because Chelsea are throwing people forward. Baz, who do you got? Okay, so I also, I mean, you'd have to be kind of stupid here to pick Chelsea. So I'm going with Manchester City as well. But in, I just wanted to say, I think I have two kind of players on each team that are going to be like X factors to me. And I think one of them for Chelsea is Mendy. Um, I think if Mendy can stand on his head and kind of inspire Chelsea almost, yeah. then maybe we'll see like a closer game, maybe like a 1-0 or a 2-0 Chelsea win. I think that's the only way they Ooh. win is if Mendy absolutely stands on his head. No, I'm not saying... My okay. prediction for the game, yeah. My prediction yeah. for the game is, again, like either a 3-1 or a 2-1 win for Man City. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree with you on that one. I don't think it's going to be too high scoring because both sides are, do have good defense, got yeah. good keepers. Um, But yeah, men, like they just, in the talent edge, they have it. The defensive edge, they have it. I think they have the edge everywhere on the pitch. 
And that's another thing that Chelsea might be able to spin is being the underdogs coming in as the underdogs, you know, maybe Man City comes in a little too inflated because they're hyped up to be, you know, the top dogs and they are right now. They're winning their league too. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's almost mathematically uh, confirmed that they're winning the Premier League as well. It's pretty much in the bag. Yeah, pretty much in the bag for them too there. So maybe that comes in, maybe that messes with them a little bit. But personally, I just, I don't see... You know it happening. I'm trying to think of ways for Chelsea to win right now because I'd love to see an underdog win. But I, th- I think I think the only way that Chelsea could get the W is if Pep overthinks it and Pep overdoes it, and which is entirely possible. Mm-hmm. But I think that, in my personal opinion, I think he's over that kind of thing. I think that was a quarterfinal habit that he had for the last few years, and then he broke the curse this year, which is why I think, like Mark was saying earlier, you you found that he was calm. Very calm in the in the in the way they played. Very very calm in the way he set out his players and the tactics and he designed the formation. Meticulous. Yeah, and and I and I think that with that calmness and composure is going to come the, the CL final, and he's going to go into it and say, "This is my starting eleven. This is what we're doing. It's worked for us all UCL campaign." That's what's going to happen. And I and I, I truly think that he since they finally broke the curse and they finally found the solution to all of their problems, it seems, and they finally have that really, really solid defender after company that, you know, they could go into this game and they're and, and I think they're going to win it. It's going to be tight nonetheless. I think we're in for a very tactical affair. There's nothing about it. Like, I think that those two managers are going to be all over the sidelines, pulling Mourinho's and all the antics and everything, but I do have City winning in the end. Mark, do you have anything else you want to say? Well, one last thing I would say here is obviously to Baz's point that Mendy and... uh he needs to have a good game to win the final. And one thing that I always look for in every UCL final is the goalkeeping matchup. And Mendy versus Ederson is going to be decisive. And no matter what you think, Champions League finals for a goalie must be the toughest thing on earth. Because yeah. if you mess up, it's on you. It's not on anybody else. Nobody remembers if uh, Van Dyke played well against Real Madrid when they lost 3-1. They remember Karius uh, <laughs> muffling, doing... All God knows what. You always remember what the goalie did. If he has a great game, you're a legend. If you have a bad game, you don't know where to go from there. So look for that. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. UCL is going to be fun, and I'm excited for that final. It's going to be a yeah, great a game. Bad game. They sign a keeper to replace you next year and send you to Turkey. Oh, yeah. Plot, plot, exactly what they did to carry. Plot, <laughs> plot twist. Plot twist. Uh, Mendy gets injured in the fifth minute. Keppa comes in, clean sheet. <laughs> put it out there. Just put it out there. Is that is we're that just, your bet? Is that your bet? Give him the official manager of title at that point. <laughs> let Kappa be. It's gonna be plus a million odds. <laughs> opening odds are just all over the place after that one. They should have called yeah. that one the Vicioso bet. <laughs> the what? But yeah, I just want to touch upon the keepers before we end it off. Um, they're two different styles, and I think that Ederson actually plays a, a very big role in their prog- in their counterattacking play. Like we saw the goal that was created by an Ederson Ederson bomb of a cross all the way to um, Foden or De Bruyne. I forget who. No, it was Zinchenko um, on the wing. Zinchenko. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so I think it Chelsea, Man City have the habit of catching teams out with Ederson, starting from Ederson. They did it against PSG. They did it, I think, twice. They did it against uh, Barusa. So if Chelsea, Chelsea have to be very aware whenever Ederson has the ball and they're up the field because... If they're not, Ederson can bomb a very accurate pass, and that's how Man City could score goals. That's how they have been scoring goals. Um, but for the Champions League final, um, I want to get a live stream going. So it's going to be live streamed. It's going to be at my house. 
and it's gonna be in the backyard. Obviously, COVID protocols in effect. Make sure you stay tuned and watch that. It's gonna be live on YouTube and Twitch. We're hoping for. But anyways, gentlemen, thank you for very much for coming on. It was a, again another cracker, another crack of a podcast. Um, thank you for having us. No problem. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Footy Fix Podcast. We'll see you then.